Coming up in this episode, Randy and I are going to talk about shaft drive, belt drive, chain drive, which is the best or is there a best? Also, our featured ride of the week, the Ozark Moonshine Run, which is right up Randy's alley. We'll talk about that as well. So stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, may I direct your attention to something quite extraordinary, quite incredible, quite unlike anything you may have experienced in your life. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, what are the best places to ride in America? The Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. I don't know what's wearing out faster, me or my bike. What I do know is that if your bike needs maintenance, then you need to go to Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first level five Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. Their red level technicians can keep you rolling. Plus, Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides, all with excellent financing options. So give them a call at 479-751-7022. Or find them online at heartlandhonda.com. Heartland Honda. Work hard, play hard. I want to tell you about a legal team whose members are both experienced motorcycle riders and aggressive lawyers. Law Tigers. Now, Law Tigers is not a law firm or a lawyer referral service. They're a national association of motorcycle accident injury lawyers who are ready to assist you with your accident claims. Each Law Tiger has their own law firm, and they have a great website that can help you with a lot of your questions. So go to LawTigers.com and put their number in your phone, 888-863-7216. There's someone there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to help you with any of your questions. Law Tigers Motorcycle Lawyers, helping riders find answers. Well, if you love getting your kicks on Route 66, then take a ride through Pulaski County, Missouri. This 33-mile stretch of the Mother Road is filled with beautiful scenery, great throwback diners, and made-from-scratch meals, and plenty of historic sites as well. Some of the top highlights of the ride include Hooker Cut, which was once rumored to be the deepest cut road in America. The limestone walls are truly impressive. Devil's Elbow, which was once known as one of the Seven Wonders of Missouri. Three impressive rivers, including the Big Piney, the Gasconade, and the Robodeau. All in all, the drive takes about an hour and a half, but you'll want to give yourself a little extra time because part of the fun is stopping and visiting with the locals. Download their app at PulaskiCountyUSA.com. Digital downloads to find even more impressive stops. You know, I told you about Let's Roll Motorcycle Lift and Dolly, and it is a fantastic dolly. Now, Randy, you've tried this out for a little while. What's your impression of this thing? Yeah. Being the ace mechanic. Shit, I don't know about ace. I'm just a dirty man. It's it's a comparative level. If you're talking about between you and me, (laughs) you're the pedophilia of mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually pretty sweet. At first, I didn't understand, you know, how well it would work, how nice it would be. You know, I'm always skeptical about shit like that for whatever reason, but the thing absolutely works. I really like the idea that it comes with a flat jack. 
So you put the jack underneath the center of the motorcycle, you jack it up. Once you get it up in the air, then you roll this cradle underneath the motorcycle that fits out around your jack that you just used to jack it up. And then you simply just lower the jack down, set the bike on the cradle. It comes super easy to install. A little bit of adjustability on your height. As far as the cradle goes, there's, I think there's two bolt holes. You can set it all the way down or up another inch and a half higher than that. Gets the bike up relatively 10, 12 inches or so off the ground. So guys that want to clean their wheels, clean all the under stuff, this cradle that it sits on is really, really wide. So it's the front of the frame and the back of the frame. What's really cool is it doesn't require any strap downs. No. I mean, it's solid. It stays put. Yeah, so the idea of having the wide cradle that's wider than the jack, it really makes it nice and easy to, to set it on. And then once it's on there, a sucker's on there. My fat ass tries, you know, I think I'd done it with my chopper and a couple of Harleys. I did it with a my chopper, my FLH, and then another small motorcycle. I think it was a soft tail standard is what it was, just to see how it all worked. Obviously, all Harleys. They were kind enough to send us the adapter plate that goes for it for Indian as well. Right. So that was pretty sick, you know, big ups to them, hats off. Super easy to install, basic hand tools. The casters are really nice casters on my garage floor, you know, full concrete shop floor. It spins, it rolls easy. I mean, it, it's pretty nice little setup. It is. It's, it is a great product. I think it's the best motorcycle lift there is out there. It is 100% American made. It has a lifetime warranty. Uh, it'll handle up to 1,200 pounds. So if you'd like to know more about it or see some videos on it, simply go to ozarkrides.com. You'll see it right there on the homepage. Just scroll down just a little bit and click the link and all the details are in there. And heck, if you want to get one of your own, don't hesitate. I mean, it's, it's a great product. You will not be sorry. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is little Randy Lewis from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri, the bright lights and big city of Urbana. <laughs> Don't blink, you'll miss it. Yeah, who the fuck you calling little? <laughs> That's right. You got a bullseye convenience store and Bike Works. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, there's a bank and a Dollar General and some other dilapidated the businesses. <laughs> yeah. This week's featured ride is called the Ozark Moonshine Run. You'll find it on page two of the Arkansas Ride Maps at OzarkRides.com. This ride is 109 miles, and it is definitely one of the most picturesque rides in Arkansas. And conveniently, it begins and ends right there in Harrison, Arkansas. This ride also takes in some of the best roads that you're going to find in Arkansas, like Scenic Highway 7, runs you through Jasper. You can always stop and have a bite at the Ozark Cafe, one of the go-to spots in all of Arkansas for a great meal and that nostalgic feeling that you have in Arkansas. Now on this ride, you'll also be able to get a good look at what we call the Arkansas Grand Canyon, and it really is a sight to behold. Now, once you head south out of Jasper, you're going to head on Highway 7 South. It's a very scenic highway, as a lot of you may probably already know. You'll cut over over to Arkansas 16 and head west and then shoot north on Arkansas 21. Arkansas 21 is a road that is not necessarily known by a lot of people. It's often overlooked, but it is one of the gems of the backwoods, back roads that you can find in Arkansas. So if you've got about three hours to kill, I would highly recommend the Ozark Moonshine Run in Arkansas. I think you'll really like it. So, Randy, have you had a good week? Yeah, another week. You guys won a football game. Congratulations. Yep, yep, we did win a football game in good fashion. Who knew? So, 
Yeah, who would have thought that was going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> That's what's tough about rebuild years is, man, you take a lot of lumps. You take yeah. your wins where you can get them, but you're taking a lot of lumps through the season. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, high school, professional, peewee, oh, everybody yeah. sooner or later is going to have a rebuild year. Yes. And starting from scratch. Yep. So that's part so, of the deal. So to speak, you're 100% right. I can never hear that too much because I damn sure don't hear it when you're gone. <laughs> so the idea of one being better than the other, i.e. shaft drive, belt drive, chain mm. drive, to me it seems like it's a matter of application. Yes. Yes, it really is. So Very if you're going to do like a Baja run yeah, or okay. you know that African race, I kind of think you're going to want a shaft drive. Yeah, so that's what's really, really good about shaft drive is it's all enclosed. Low maintenance. Very low Very little, no maintenance. You change the oil in the hub once a year and Bob's yeah. your uncle and you're on your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we talked about all those a couple episodes ago or last episode ago, whatever it was, the vintage military motorcycles. Exactly. Well, Harley's yep. never done a shaft drive except for those particular applications where it was in the desert. And that's what's so great about shaft drive. Now, you talk to guys that ride in today's day and age, you're only getting shaft drives on certain metric motorcycles. They've kept BMW it. BMW is big on that. Yes, yes. The gold wings. Yeah, because they're very effective. They're very smooth. You don't feel a little, a lot of vibration out of the rear tire because of the shaft drive. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you want to, F off, because that's what I honestly feel the reason why. Like, I've seen dudes come in with shaft drive bikes, and their rear tires aren't even balanced don't really even notice a difference on it as far as the way that it feels on the ride. And I'll throw it on the balancing wheel and the freaking way off. And they're like, well, I'd, I've never had it balanced. Cause they always ask me, you know, when they're sitting there watching, why are you balancing that? And I'm like, cause you balance tires. That's what, That's you, what do. you do. Yeah. When you're decent, you balance everything. Right. And they're like, I've never had it balanced and I've never felt it's like it. you with a cocktail. Why do you have an umbrella in a, in a, in a <laughs> yeah. sippy straw? Yeah. That's what you do. Exactly. I guess. But here's a couple of the big benefits in my opinion on shaft drive. It's all enclosed. You don't get a lot of the wear from outside elements on your drive application. Now they're very, very good. I mean, it's like a rear end in a car, how it operates. And then the hub is splined with multiple splines to slide on to the coupler inside the hub. And then the axle hangs it all in, pulls it in tight, make sure it doesn't move. You've got multiple bearings to make it very, very smooth, very, very effective. And then you have hub oil in the rear end or hub, rear hub, whatever, to keep it all operating, keep it cool. Now, a lot of guys are like, I'd never even change that shit out. Well, I change it out once a year, will it, whether it needs it or not. But when I do, typically, that oil is just, you know, looks like brand new consistently. There's not, I haven't changed very many where I'm like, oh my God, that shit's bad. It's just a matter of preventative maintenance. It is. It really is. But it just goes to show you how little it breaks down because of how smooth it makes the operation. Now, the disadvantage to it, you've got a lot more moving parts. If you're not good about maintenance, if you're hard on your machine, you've got a lot more parts to fail. And you've got a lot more parts to replace and more expensive parts to replace whenever, if and when it ever does fail. Now, it's not Have that. Have you ever ran across one failing? 
I have, I really have, and more so than anything, it's the bearings in the front of the hub and in the back of like the tail shaft on the sh transmission that basically supports the shaft that rides from the back to the front. That's typically where I see my failure at. It's very seldom, I can't remember a time where I had to replace an entire hub on the back because it, it was just I've shot. I've had a couple of bikes with shaft drives and of course I would replace the oil in them, you know, mm -hmm. annually. I'd, I'd never had a failure. I didn't, yeah. I've never even heard of anybody having a failure, but. Most of the time, you it's a you get a lifetime of use out of it with a maintenance of one bottle of not even like one bottle of gear oil will last you multiple years, even changing it once a year, right? Because it takes so little. So that is what is very very good about a shaft drive from a Harley perspective. In my aesthetic mind, they look god awful. They look ugly. The rear wheel selection is nil when you want to change wheels and doll it up and fancy it up. And when you do, they're very costly because of all the extra engineering. Well, you will notice that uh, the bikes that do have shaft drives, they're not really conducive to customization. <laughs> they're ugly Your BMWs, your gold wings. You don't see a lot of customizing on these. Not not a ton. They're the, purpose bikes. Yeah, in the aspect of what you see most people customizing their bikes today, you don't see that crap on those bikes. Typically, atypically. Now, there are some guys that have done it. I did an old Kawasaki one time that had a shaft drive rear wheel that I did a full bagger build out of. Well, I covered all that crap up so you didn't see it anyway. Right. So that's with baggers. You can run those and get away with it and, and still hide all that crap. But on, you know, like a stripped down Street Fighter or Bobber or vintage tracker style bike or cafe racer bike, you, you see the shaft. You just try to clean it up and build parts to cover it that still look cool and fitting for the machine. So truthfully, that's the advantages and disadvantages to shaft. Now, guys that run metric bikes say, I'll never go to anything other than having a shaft drive because they like it so much. From my experience, they say that because they've never had anything else. Right. The, the majority of the time. They've just never really had anything that was different from that. So they love it. That's what they're comfortable with. That's what they know. And that's where you get a lot of that, in my opinion. So now you bridge to belt drive and chain drive. Okay? Exactly. Which, by the way, full disclosure, only time I've ever had a failure was with a belt drive. That's the time I called you and said, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Is your trailer available? Uh-huh. I do remember that. It, yeah. Luckily, it was really, really close here still. Yeah. i tell you what's cool about Sportsters and Indians or Victories, rather. Their belts, stupid easy to change. Very, very easy. They're on the right side of the bike. They go around the swing arm. You don't have to disassemble the swing arm. You don't have to do dick with it. It's literally take tension off, take a couple covers off. The belt slides right off. You put a new one on. Very easy to change. So in contrast, how is the Harley? So um, the Dynas aren't as bad. You know, Dyna Harleys, they're on the left side, but their swing arm's completely different. You can do the same thing with that. But in doing that, you still have to break down the primary, the clutch assembly, the comp sprocket assembly, the inner primary. You have to take all that crap off to be able to change the belt. Where they really, really kind of freaking suck, a little extra time to it is soft tails and touring model bikes. Because the belt runs inside of the frame, you literally, you have to break down the swing arm and take the swing arm off or manipulate it into a way that you can take and squeeze the belt between the swing arm and the frame. It's a lot. It's a little bit of extra labor. Rear wheel comes off. Technically, it's a pain in the ass. More so than anything else, yes. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the primary, the clutch, the inner primary, all that crap has to come off. Then you have to take the rear shock assembly off. You have to take the rear wheel off. You have to take the swing arm pivot bolt out, take the bushings out of the swing arm. Well, the swing arm between the swing arm and the frame, you have to take those out to be able to get the belt off. Then you got to reassemble the belt. Two seconds later, the belt's on, and then you're starting to reassemble, realign swing arm, realign everything, put the clutch, put everything back on. So it's labor intensive. It's not difficult. It's just labor intensive to get to them. Now, we spoke just a moment ago about the shaft drive. If you maintenanced it well, mm-hmm. basically, it'll last you forever. Yes. What can you expect a life expectancy out of a belt? It's a gray area, and I'll be 100% honest. Now, there's probably going to be very technical people that's like, oh, 60,000 miles, you need to change that belt out. Has to, has to. Dude, I've seen guys with belts with 200,000 miles on the original belt. So it's condition of where you're riding and how you ride. Things like that that really make a difference on how well your belt, or how long your belt will last. You know, if you run a loose belt, a loose belt's going to wear out your pulleys faster. A loose belt's going to wear out the teeth on your belt faster. A loose belt's going to allow grit to get in between the belt and the pulley and wear each one of those out pretty quick. Especially you ride if you're down a dirt road yeah, and walk like I live. Yes, exactly. I've seen guys get rocks in between their belt and their pulley and they punch holes in the belts. I had one guy, I remember vividly, I had one guy that had eight holes in his belt. And it was still working. And I mean, all the way through, like shot up with a gun. Yeah, like a rock, not in the same spot, but like a rock went through it. And eight different spots, a rock or whatever got punched through it. The teeth still looked okay on it. The pulley still looked okay. But I was doing a tire change. And that's something I always check when I do a tire change. I always check bearings, brakes, and the belt because it's easy access. You're right there. And I'm like, dude, you got eight holes in your belt. And he's like, what do I do? I said, well, I'd be, re- I'd be replacing it. And it's like, well, I don't have the money to. And I'm like, well, I guess you only have one option then. Because belts are expensive. They can be. They can be. Average cost on like a Dayco or a BDL, or not BDL, but mainly a Dayco or a Gates drive belt for a Harley is somewhere around 170 to 180 bucks. Average cost for the belt itself. But it's the labor that gets you. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's just there's just a lot more to it. And then there's going to be those really, really anal guys that are like, okay, well, I'm replacing my belt. I want to replace the rear pulley as well. I want to make sure it's brand new so it doesn't wear out my new belt. Well, now your average cost on a pulley is somewhere around 130 bucks, relatively, give or take. So now you, you've just increased the cost a little over $300 to almost $400 for just parts. And then you have labor. So you can see how the cost will add up. That's what kind of sucks about having a belt or even a chain that you have to deal with. Having a motorcycle is not unlike having a boat. So <laughs> it's a hole in the water that you throw money into. Mm-hmm. So in this, this could be shit for history lesson for you. But from what I remember, Harley in 1983 released their belt drive. They'd been chained all the way up to that. And then in, I think it was 83 or 84, something like that. I think 83, you could get it on, on some models. They went to a belt. Do you know, are they the first motorcycle company that Ooh. went to a belt? You know, I'm posing the question myself, not knowing the answer. You know, I don't remember anyone else having a belt. Now, the old times. Until then. Some of the bikes had belts. But it, that's different. Like That's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the board track bikes. So that was, like, leather that was strap. like a guy's belt off his pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were the first 
first, I believe they were the first ones to come out with, you know, a Kevlar laced um, carbon fiber. Well, not, I think it was Kevlar mainly and fiberglass laced belt to be able to drive the rear wheel assembly. Now, here's what's great about converting from chain to belt from Harley aspect. No oiling of the chain, no tightening of the chain consistently, you know, because the chain will stretch. These belts don't stretch very much. It just, it just doesn't happen in my opinion, especially on normal applications, you know, everyday daily rider bikes, not high horsepower, big built bikes. There's a lot less noise. There's a lot less grease and oil being slung all over everything. So the maintenance seems a lot lower, you know, it's virtually nil other than just making sure the alignment and the tension's right on the belt. And that's that. So that was the big draw to it. And that was the big push. Why we need to go belt shit metric motorcycles. They're still running chains on some bikes today. Honestly, they've, they've never converted to belt. It's either shaft or it's chain, truthfully. Now, some of the big metric motorcycles, they're running belts. But those smaller ones, a lot of them are still running chains on them. Uh-huh. Chains you still have to, to maintain, you know, with lubricants to make sure the rollers are quiet. Make sure you don't get one hot and then start kinking on the chain. And, and you got to clean them. Yes, yes, you really should clean your chains, especially if you live in a dirty area. You know, you definitely do have to do that. You're going to get rust. You live way down south on all that saltwater air coming in. You've got to do a little bit of extra maintenance to them. You know, you correct me if I'm wrong, if you live there, whatever, I don't care. But there's inherently more maintenance with a chain as opposed to a belt. Now, the disadvantage to running a belt... In normal applications, everybody's daily rider, stock bikes, there's not a ton of disadvantages other than the fact that it's costly to replace on certain bikes. You bridge into... Is it really that costly, though? I was just thinking, I used to run sport bikes Mm -hmm. uh, a lot, and I'm the anal retentive guy. I'm the guy that always bought the best chain that you can buy. Uh, I was the guy that is always cleaning and, and oiling, and I even had one bike that had an auto oiler set up on it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but you had to change the the chain a lot more frequently than you do a belt. Oh, yeah. So in the overall aspect, at the end of the day, I can't see that it's really that much more expensive. I guess I say that because to change a chain, a chain drive on a, on a most motorcycles. You pull the link and, and you're done. Yeah, you take Even that out. I can do that. Yeah, if you just change the chain. Now, I am ridiculous. When I change a chain, I want to change the sprockets too. Because a new chain will get wore out quicker to old wore out sprockets. Now, that might be a little bit excessive. You know, check your sprockets. See how they are. See how the teeth are. See if they're wore or not. At least inspect them. Yeah, you could get away with running a new chain on a decent set of used sprockets. Yes, that is completely possible. A lot of guys do it all the time. But when you talk about wore out sprockets, say a wore out front sprocket and a wore out rear drive sprocket in a chain, depending on what you buy brand wise, you're talking about 200 bucks for all three chain, front sprocket, rear sprocket. Now with that, you do have to disassemble the rear wheel to change out the rear sprocket. No more than a tire change. And depending on what bike you have, a Harley to change out the front sprocket, you have to disassemble the whole primary clutch, all that crap to get to that area. Most metric motorcycles, there's one cover. You pull that one cover off. You got two retaining bolts and one main nut. They're easy to change as far as that goes. I guess the cost differential is that you have to do it more frequently with a chain as opposed to a belt. But you bridge into 
high torque, high horsepower, Harleys, Indians, Victories, whatever it might be. A belt isn't as good as a chain because you run the risk of basically you're, you're slipping the belt or rolling the belt. The belt in high torque applications will jump teeth and will wear. And say it doesn't jump teeth, it flexes the teeth on the belt so much that they start to crack where they meet the main frame of the belt. They'll start, start pulling the teeth and flexing the teeth on the belt. Well, then you get to where it rips teeth off and that happens. And then when you try to drive or go where those teeth run over the pulleys at and there's no teeth to keep, the belt will slip. Yeah, yeah you know, it's just, it's just how sense. it is. Exactly. So a lot of guys that I see... They want to run big high torque machines. You're talking about big inch, big twins with a lot of power. They convert to chain because it's a lot less likely you get steel sprockets and a good chain. They can chain. get on it with a little bit more confidence. Yes. You you don't see near as you don't see any any real chain slip or anything like that with running a, a chain drive system because the sprockets I've got such tall teeth on them. They index fully into it. And when you have them maintained well and tensioned well, you have a lot less. Do they make chain conversion kits for any Harley? Yes. Yes. You can convert about any Harley to chain drive if you want. All the new ones that have been factory assembled with a belt. So, and I'm sure there's ones for victories and Indians. I just don't see it. You know, I just don't see that much of it happening. A person could custom make sprockets and all that bullshit to make that happen i just i even bother saying that's because victory doesn't fail (laughs) after just commenting that my belt failed yeah they don't make as much power is why oh nice torque torque well played sir well played (laughs) so there's no there's no real need (laughs) i see um but that's you know i see guys that run a lot of wheelies and you know burn out a lot like those stunt guys that you see look at their bike and almost always they're converted to chain because they lock up better. They hold to the power a lot better. Yeah. There's a little bit more maintenance into them, a little bit more frequent switch out. But when you're talking about doing a wheelie or a burnout or launching at a drag strip, you want to have a hundred percent confidence that it's going to go. You hit it and it goes bang, right? Right. You want it to be there. And that's why they convert to chain because they do lock up and hold a lot better than a belt does in those applications. So, what would be, if any, differences in chains specifically? Ah, physically, there's a lot of differences. You know, there's the size and the pitch, you know, a 420, 520, 530, 538. Those are in your dimensional aspects of it. But the big difference I see in chains, early model chains never had O-rings on them. And what the O-rings do is... All those little studs, they go from the outside of one side of the chain to the outside of the other side of the chain to hold the links together. You know, before they never had any anything in there, like an O-ring. They were all just straight metal. With straight metal on metal, you get wear, you get rust, you get noise. Then they came out with O-ring chains. They're a bit wider. They're a lot quieter. And those O-rings tend to hold the lubrication. That, like say you put oil or a synthetic chain lube or any type of chain lube on it. They hold that lube to those in the chain a little bit better so they a little bit more longevity in them so that's kind of the the difference in the genetic makeup of the chains i particularly like an o-ring chain a lot better now on the old harleys it's just you know you get what you get and you don't bitch but on the new chains sport bikes the metric bikes that run them um conversions 
eight, nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, people put a no ring chain on there. They're just a better chain, better longevity, did. a lot quieter. They're just inherently better is, is kind of what you're getting out of that. So at the end of the day, there's not really one magic answer, i.e. Yes. this is better than that, chains better than shaft and better yeah. than belt. It's all in the application. It, in my opinion, it really, really is the application. So if you're a guy that's out just cross-country riding, touring, mm-hmm. stuff like that, I say go shaft drive all day long. Unless you have some common sense and you want to run a Harley. Yeah. Well, let's, as- <laughs> let, let, let's assume that you do have common sense and, and you're a touring guy. You're going to go gold wing or BMW. Yeah, I do see a lot of that. The hard part about that is, is there's dudes that refuse to be on anything but a Harley. That's right. But the majority of the guys. And there's that, nothing wrong with that. No, hell no, there's not. The majority of the guys that I see that log, you know, 60,000, 100,000 miles in a year. Yes, atypically they're on BMWs, gold wings, big cross-country touring bikes like that that have shaft drive. Well, to be honest, they're looking for maintenance-free. Yes. They want to be out riding. They don't want to. And as good as Harley, Indian, um, lumping them all together are, they require more maintenance than these type of bikes. They definitely do. Now, here's, here's one. BMWs, you check valve clearance like every oil change. You check valve clearance, you know, the most, like every 20,000 miles is what spec is on it. So say you're a guy that runs 80,000 miles in a year, you're talking about a lot of oil changes in 80,000 miles in one year and a lot of valve clearance checks in one year. If you go to a subpar shop that doesn't know how to or can do that, you know, you run the risk of damage from somebody ineffectively adjusting your valves. But now, let, let's be honest. If you're the guy that can afford a nice BMW full dress tour, <laughs> yeah. you don't take it to Joe's fix-it shop down at the corner. Yeah, it, Most of the time, not. You're 100% no. right there. Um, I will say, I'm a. everybody knows I'm a huge Harley guy. But if I was in that situation where all I did was run the roads every single day, all year round, logging that kind of miles... I'm probably not on a Harley Davidson. I, I I know this is not the subject matter at hand, but you know, random thoughts. That takes what, a lot to admit that. And I know I, it's very big of you. I was impressed. Yeah. What would be your bike of choice? I mean, you're just you're yeah. retired. You can go, and that's what you do. You go. A new BMW GS model is what I would buy to to just tour everywhere. Yeah. Um. Because knowing me, my ADHD, my curiosity, like I'm not really on major roads all the time. Like that BMW is a fantastic machine. Well, they're great on either kind of terrain. Yes. And that's why I would choose that is because I might be, frick, I might be in Kansas or something and think this is stupid, but let's see what the back roads of Kansas has this to offer. This dirt road is going to take me. Yeah. Let's go see what this mountain road that's not paved has to offer. Frick, let's let's run up to Alaska. That's kind of where, if I was going to be doing that, I would not be hitting the main strips everywhere, the main drags everywhere. Like I, if I'm touring, putting hundred thousand miles on, I'm putting a hundred thousand hard miles on, obscure miles, off canter places, like stuff that typically most people don't see. Because I would assume that putting a hundred motorcycle camping, yes, yes, and putting a hundred thousand miles on in a year. There's a lot of roads in America and there's a lot of places you don't see, you know, just hitting the main roads. But at some point in time, 
you're going to run out of main destinations to go to. But if you have the option of going down the dirt road, you're never going to run out. Yes. Or that road that starts chip and seal or pavement that turns into something else. Like, you know, that's why I would probably go with that, that particular bike. Not a bad choice. Unless now I, I don't know why I didn't think about this. And I put myself out there. The Harley Davidson Pan America. Here we go. Which is a chain drive. Yeah, so I don't know why I didn't even think about it. I guess I'm slipping in my age. So this gives me the opportunity to, <laughs> uh, to, to bash Harley once again. It wasn't your first thought? No. Um, I would. Uh, my first thought was that's a shaft drive because due to the nature of the bike itself, yeah, it's just common sense. Harley <laughs> did not go common sense road. Nah. And put a chain on a bike like that. Nah, that's some bullshit right there. That's just some bullshit. It may have been a reach, but it's I have You can sh- you can argue that BMW has never done a chain, so therefore they don't have the mindset of being able to run a chain. That's just as big of a reach. Well, all their engine and transmission designs are set up for a shaft. Harley's all their engine and transmission designs are set up for a, a chain that's or a, a belt. It's a brand new engine design. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but they're also, think about the tooling that it would take to convert to shaft drive for one specific model it's no by big itself. Deal. They got plenty of tooling opportunities in India and, and overseas <laughs> where they make Suck their it, stuff. Craig. Suck it, <laughs> There's something to be said for lineage, heritage, and reputation of this is what we are and this is what we do. Harley has got every avenue covered from small commuter bikes to water-cooled bikes to touring bikes, to cruiser bikes, to off-road motorcycles. What does Victory or Indian do? They've got one platform and one platform only. What does BMW do? They've got one platform and one platform only. So anyways, that all being said, Harley-Davidson once again and their short-sightedness on the shaft drive, no shaft drive on a dual sport. Is vastly a That's what far we call a mic drop. <laughs> They're vastly superior to any other brand for its ability to hit every avenue in every market. I know Na- this. Name, name another know one this, that does it. I can't because I. The purpose of the the conversation was to bust your balls. <laughs> you can't. But I. You did. cannot go against Harley and win. Suck it, everybody I do who it disagrees. Every day, all the time. You're not winning. You're living. <laughs> living the dream living in reality uh, no a fantasy is what a dream is and that's where you're living you literally just said living the dream a dream is a fantasy my fantasies come true <laughs> yeah okay all right yeah you're gonna be the guy that gets 32 virgin men is what you get when you go to heaven <laughs> is it 32 virgins this is where we're gonna end this conversation <laughs> right here right now oh man ko harley So one last thing is we always touch on, if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help keep it going, then you might consider becoming a club member. It's really easy to do. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Ozark Rides, or you can also click the Patreon link on any page at OzarkRides.com. We've got giveaways, exclusive videos. You even get access to the podcast before anyone else. Also automatic entry into our new monthly prize giveaway. So you know what? Consider that. If you don't want to do that, that's okay too. 
We're just glad that you tune in for whatever crazy reason that you have. <laughs> Don't know what we'll talk about next time. Shit. but So until then, stay safe and keep it on two wheels. Oh.